You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. Today's message is called Completing the Task. Uh, There might be someone here that's working today as I speak on getting in better shape. There might be someone here that is in right now in the in studies, or you might be in exam mode right now and, and having to, to work from, through some type of program that you are applying yourself on. There uh, might be in the spiritual side that you've decided to, you might be in the midst of reading through the Bible for the first time in 2009, and you're applying yourself to do something like that. Last night we had Bible school grad, and we were able to... Uh, just commend all of those that have gone through three semesters of Bible school and give them a certificate. And then for those who have gone through five semesters, they received a diploma last night, and we just cheer them on. It was hard work. We have a Bible school Tuesday night. They come straight from work, come into uh, kind of get get their head around coming out of work and just getting here, and then have a worship team who's doing the same thing, volunteering and leading worship. And they usually wouldn't get out of here till 10.30 at night on a Tuesday night, then have homework over and above uh, working full-time or going to school full-time somewhere else. So they deserved a recognition last night. We had a great service. But today we're going to talk about completing our task and really looking at our lives through uh, using the verse in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, which says, I am sure that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus comes back again. There's another translation, and it says this, I am confident of this very thing. If I said to my children, I am confident that tomorrow we are going to the aquarium. I have to make sure we go to the aquarium because I said it with such assurance. That's what God is saying to us in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He is saying, I am confident of this very thing that he who began, being he being God, began a good work in who? In you. So whose good work is it? It's not ours. It's not our great accomplishments. It's not our great work. It's his great work. And he's confident that he's doing a great work in you until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, you might be at a place sitting here today where you think, yeah, I am a pretty great work. He is doing something pretty mighty in me. Or you may be sitting here and say, that doesn't apply to me. I certainly am not a great work. Well, hopefully by the end of today's message, I pray that we'll all see ourselves the way he sees us and be able to see that he is continuing that great work inside us. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9, or verse 10, it says that we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us so long ago. And again, another translation says that we are his workmanship or his masterpiece. There's great masterpieces around the world today. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci's Mona Lisa is a great masterpiece. And there's some speculation of how long it actually took for him to paint the Mona Lisa. Uh, Some say four years to complete that one piece of art. Uh, There's some that have said it was ten years just to get the mouth right. So... uh, Too bad he's not around, but uh, 500 years ago, somewhere, it was at least four years to do one painting. And that's a great masterpiece in our world today. Another great masterpiece is Michelangelo's statue, marble statue of David. Great masterpiece. Sistine Chapel, another great masterpiece that took years. Uh, David, I believe, was three years for him to carve that out. And then you've got Handel, who wrote the Messiah, scored the, the Messiah, And it only took him three weeks. 
The point being is this, is that these have been long-standing masterpieces in our world. They all took different amounts of time to do, but we all acknowledge them as being something great. God might do something very quick in you. You might have that quick answer to prayer. You might have something happen very quickly in your life, or you may be standing for a longer period of time than you really anticipated it to be. It doesn't matter. The outcome is the same. The outcome is, is that you are God's masterpiece. And he will take whatever comes along in our life, and he will continue to mold that into something great. Some examples in the Bible of some works in progress, which we all are. Look at your neighbor and say, did you know you're a work in progress? Yeah, I just heard somebody say, yeah, I knew that. Yeah. There's some other works in progress in the Bible. One is David. Of course, David was the little shepherd, the little, little shepherd boy. He was the, the pretty face amongst the brothers. He was the one that his dad, Jesse, didn't even put in the lineup uh, when uh, the prophet came along and said, you know, one of your sons is actually going to be uh, anointed as the next king. He didn't even think about David. How would you like that? Thanks a lot, Dad. I didn't even, I wasn't, you weren't even thinking about me. He was a shepherd boy when he came to bring lunch to his brothers who were... Uh, supposedly in battle, but they were mainly, they were just listening to accusations from Goliath and the enemy. And at that point, when he came by, uh, his brother said, what are you doing here? They didn't even think he should be around the battlefield. And so he was this, this guy that certainly, according to everything that was spoken over him, shouldn't have been great, shouldn't have been a masterpiece, but yet he was in God's eyes. Another one was Moses. Moses is an interesting story because not only was he saved, of course, when all the other babies his age were being killed off, he was adopted into royalty. He was adopted into the family that had the name. If he had the Rockefeller name today, that would be it. He had Pharaoh's name. He had Pharaoh's palace. He had Pharaoh's amenities. He was the son of the king. He was the son of the ruler and probably got away with a lot, had the best training, had the best teaching, had everything going for him, and he turned all that aside. Can you imagine how Pharaoh, what must have gone through his mind after Moses ran off and left? Where did we go wrong? What did we do? We gave the guy everything. We brought him into our family and gave him everything. And here's Moses at that point that turns around and uh, spends years... God spends years just pulling everything through him and absorbing it and working on him and doing a masterpiece and eventually leading the people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Peter is another one. Peter known to be fairly impetuous. And Peter is a man who didn't believe in himself. Uh, you've got, I think Moses had a certain bit of belief in himself until the point where he, he killed an Egyptian Peter didn't believe in himself, and I can't, I've got this image in my mind in the Garden of Gethsemane, and that's when Jesus was praying, he asked Peter, he says, would you just pray, and of course Peter didn't, he fell asleep, and the guard, or all the people were coming, the guards were coming to arrest Jesus, and Peter does what? He pulls out his sword, so obviously he's carrying a sword around with him wherever he goes, he's got this sword, so if you ever see these pictures of these nice guys in robes, you know that, you know, somewhere under that robe was a sword, and um, he pulls his sword out, and I keep, I just got this picture because he cuts off the guy's ear, right? And I have this sense that I don't think he was doing that. I think the guy went, whoa, and really he was going for the neck <laughs> and got the, got the ear instead. So that's Peter. And then there's Paul, who was an extremist. Paul, who, uh, or Saul, eventually God called him Paul, extremist, and his belief 
in himself was actually his belief in religion. And that's often where we even find people today that their belief in themselves really comes from the way that they portray their religion. And that's where Paul was at. And uh, Jesus just really knocked him off his horse, literally, and, uh, and helped put him, show him that he is also a workmanship in progress, that he's a work in progress. There's some things that we need to remember when we're under construction, which we all are. And number one is that God cares for us as our Heavenly Father. In Isaiah 64, verse 8, if there's any scripture to remember, it would be this one. If you have your Bibles, underline it, underscore it. This is a great verse that you can go back to over and over and over again. It says, But now, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, and you are the potter, and all, and all we are the work of your hand. The idea is, is that we have to recognize that clay in its own is incapable that it only turns into something incredible when it's in the potter's hand. A uh, little story of, uh, of our first opportunity to minister was in May 1983. We were youth ministers at a church of about 800 people, and the senior pastor was asked to if he would speak Sunday morning at a church nearby. He wasn't able to, so he says, but I have somebody who will go, and he told us that he just volunteered us to serve at this other church and be in the pulpit and do the worship. Okay, I'd never actually led worship at that point. I had tried actually singing a song once, maybe about a year earlier, in a church with my sister-in-law, and uh, that didn't go over really well, um, not due to her, but due to me, because I started laughing. And I'm in quite an elderly congregation and I just got the giggles, and I couldn't stop laughing. And I was trying so hard to sing this song without laughing. But anyway, so I thought, I'm, they, why did they ask me to lead worship? They really messed up on that one. But I figured they probably had a great team, and, and I'll just kind of step in there and, and go along with that. I was also seven months pregnant at that point as well. So your, your airwaves at seven months, you don't have quite the same air capacity that you do normally. So I thought, oh, you know, I'm sure that they... They'll have somebody to cover me. So we get there, and it's a church that's set up in a school gymnasium. All the equipment's set up. Everything's ready to go. Little work needed to be done on the sound. They got that all worked out, and I asked, well, where's the worship team? And they said, well, we don't have one. And I said, well, where's the pianist? We don't have one. And I said, are you, are you asking me to lead worship and play? And they went, Yes. Well, there are a couple of things. One is, like I said, I was seven months pregnant, and I hadn't sang publicly for I don't know how many years. The second thing was I hadn't been near a piano for about five years, and um, certainly not playing any of the choruses that, that were kind of like the choruses of the songs of the day. I hadn't played at all. And I said, are you sure you want me to do this? And they said, oh, Yes. And I, I tried to explain to them, and, and, they, and they just, it was like, no, 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 you can do this. And so I tried practicing, and I didn't have, I asked if they had music. No, we don't have any music. Okay. Um, this one's for you, Lord. And um, <laughs> I tried the beginning, I tried to actually just chord, and it, that wasn't working. So I started, I, I actually led worship, middle C, one finger, 
Middle C, D, G, D, middle C, D, G, D, and that's how I led worship. And uh, we got through that rather quickly, as you can well imagine. And so that was my opportunity. My husband spoke. We got in the car, and we said, what? We'll never do that again. (laughs) Meaning, we'll never minister again. It wasn't just we won't do that in that setting To us, it was like we're failures, we're never called, we're not going to do this. What's my point? My point is this, that amongst everything else in this masterpiece, somehow we expect to just come out boom like a Mona Lisa. We don't. God takes those little pieces of our lives and begins to mold us and move us and maneuver us if we let him and allow it to be something great for him, according to Isaiah 64, verse 8. Just as a child grows up to become an adult and goes through growing pains, we too experience the pain and mistakes and tragedies. And amongst all that, there's also the victories. There's the answers to prayer. Then all of that is being molded and created. And he's using it all to make something great. He's, he's, look at the goals that you've achieved. And somehow he's starting to put this together and make it look great. Uh, and uh, being especially that potter image is so, uh, it, it's so vivid for us. We had Bill Strickland with us last week. I'm not sure if anyone in this service was able to hear him, but he is a, he's a great at pottery. We have a piece that he has given to us. It's beautiful, but what makes it so valuable is his signature on the bottom. Do you know that you are clay on the potter's wheel? And if you've ever seen the movie Toy Story... Andy, on his toys, puts what? His name on the bottom of his toys. You're looking at me like, okay, you haven't seen Toy Story? You have, to go, you have to go rent Toy Story. It's just a great movie. You'll have lots of fun with it. He's got Andy written on the bottom of his shoe. Well, on you are being stamped with God's name, and you're God's workmanship. And that's who we are. And amongst all that, he's doing something amazing inside of us. Amen? Number two, we're all created in the image of God and have the same intrinsic value. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, God created people in his own image. He patterned them after himself. Clay has very little value on its own, but as it's being shaped and prepared by who? The master craftsman. It becomes a beautiful work of art. Uh, great example of that is this building. This past week, we had the honor of receiving an award from the city of Vancouver, a heritage award for our building. And amongst the mayor and the city council and some other who's who of Vancouver, they acknowledged what church you have done, what we have done with this building, and they recognize that here's a building that is going to stay in our city that wasn't torn down, and, uh, and they were like, yay, yay for you guys, and we'll have a little plaque that'll be up downstairs over that, which is a huge accomplishment for us in the city. God is seeing something great, but bigger than the building. Guess what God was thinking in this huge masterpiece of things? It wasn't the recognition. It wasn't the stamp. It wasn't the piece of paper. It's the body of Christ that can come here, and they can hear God word and they can receive help for hurts and hang-ups and habits and see that Jesus really can set them free. That's in God's master plan of seeing something much bigger than what we're doing. There's a young woman by the name of Bethany Hamilton and I'm going to show you a little DVD clip of this young 13-year-old girl who went through something absolutely tragic but she could keep, she had the sense and she had the training enough to know that she's something much bigger than her circumstances. Watch this.
13, um, I wanted just to really be used by God in my life, and I wanted to just start getting more serious with um, my walk and everything. We were praying consistently for God's will for her life. Me and my mom just started asking God to use me and um, just show us the fruit of what we were doing. For two weeks solid, we focused on God, what is your will for Bethany? Bring your will into her life. That's when God answered my prayer and started using me in big ways. Halloween Day 2003 was um, just like every other day. Like, we woke up and we went surfing. Alana and Bethany had uh, already just caught a few waves. Bethany, when she paddled out, she kind of was sitting a little farther out than, than uh, Byron and I. And probably about a half an hour, 45 minutes after we were out there, that uh, was when it happened. I was just laying on my board waiting for a wave, and my arm was just kind of like dangling in the water and then my other arm was holding the nose of the board. Then all of a sudden, it just like, I felt like a tug on my board. Right away I knew it was happening. It happened so fast, there wasn't much time to think. A shark had just taken my arm. You know, we didn't hear anything, or all of a sudden, we, uh, Bethany just goes, um, I got attacked by a shark, and she started paddling in towards us. I looked down and saw that my whole arm was gone, and I don't know, it just kind of freaked me out. Yeah, when we, when we were paddling in, I, I didn't think she was going to make it. Her arm's gone, like, I, didn't, I was so, like, devastated. I thought I lost my surf buddy. <laughs> I mean, you don't think somebody's going to make it through that, and I knew how, you know, we, we were 20 minutes from the beach. When I got to the beach, there were some people waiting on the beach because Byron had told them what happened, and uh, they helped me, you know, drag Bethany up on the shore. Right before we were heading to the hospital, um, one of the paramedics came up to me, and he whispered, God will never leave you nor forsake you in my ear. Looking back on it, I realized that it was a miracle that God kept me calm. Great example of someone who's still, and I'm going to show a little clip of what happens in just a few minutes, uh, some more of the story. But here's a young woman who was not expect, expecting this type of circumstance to come into her life, but she recognized that, uh, that she was still God's workmanship, and he will take whether those things were in the big scheme of plan, his plan or not, what he can do with them, it still makes something magnificent out of it. And I think sometimes where we get hung up is we think this wasn't God's will, this shouldn't have happened, and somehow we shut the door on seeing that beautiful picture still being brought in and using those circumstances that maybe shouldn't have happened, but still make a beautiful picture out of it. So that brings us to the next point, which is have patience with yourself and others. Patience with you, yourself. Remember that you're a work in progress. I think we are way too hard on ourselves. In fact, often when we get upset with God, if we're really honest with ourselves, we're really upset with ourselves. And we're upset that we let ourselves down, ultimately letting him down, and now we're upset. And so it's having patience with ourselves and stopping. So that actually is a fruit of the Spirit, not just for other people to eat from, but 
Patience is actually a fruit for me to eat for myself as well. I want to be able to eat the fruit of patience so that I can even be patient with me and recognize that I'm a workmanship in progress, going back to what took place with us in that, uh, with that worship time and, the, and, and leading that service. It was, it was devastating after that to, to even think about getting up in front of people again. Uh, during that season, also of being youth ministers, we brought in a, a very uh, high, a well-known group for a concert for our youth. There was about six people in the group for the concert. We talked to our senior pastor. He says, yeah, bring them in. The church at that time was about 800 people. And we thought, yeah, it's big enough. We can bring this group in. We began advertising. We did all these things. And he basically just put it in our hands. You take care of this. You do it. And we'll be behind you. So we put posters up, and we did the advertising that we knew to do, and, and the youth were excited, and, and people were excited. So the evening came for the concert, Friday night. They came early, set all their equipment up. It started at 7 o'clock. At 5 to 7, one youth showed up with their parents. And we said, hi. And she says, Did we, is it the wrong night? Did we miss this? No, no, it's the right night. And then while we're standing there, uh, they said to their son, well, maybe we should just stay here just in case we have to drive you home right away. And so we thought, great. Well, let's see. There, the, the group was in the back room. They were just, you know, in prayer and, and preparation to come out. And we went back and they said, so, you know, are people, you know, is it exciting? And we said, well, yes. Um, and it's, But, you know, you may just... There's a little heads up. The crowd might be a little smaller than you were anticipating. And they said, oh, really? So no, really. Like, just a little, just, you might just want to tone it down a little bit. So there we, we went back out. We went, okay, there's the two of us. There's this youth. We persuaded the parents to stay for the concert. And then two more youth showed up. Seven people, six people ministering. That would be like this bench right here. And you have just as many people on the stage going, give God the glory. And it's like this one group trying to, this group was amazing. They did a great job. They were professional. They were great. But I'll tell you what, when it was over, I've never seen a group pack up so fast and out of there. They were gone. We were the last ones to leave the church. As we were going to lock up the doors, we passed by the wall where we had one of the posters. And we... I'd say just nicely, gently took the poster off. We didn't. We ripped it off the wall, tore it in half, and said, that's it. We're never doing this again. And uh, gratefully, we had someone more senior, senior, more seasoned in our lives and said, okay, you guys, this happens to everybody. What did we do right? What did we do wrong? We're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep believing in you. You are able to do this. We can make something out of you. But you guys, at that point, we said, we'll never be, I don't think we're cut out. To, that was two strikes. One more, we're out. And between that other service and this one. But the point is this, is that God takes all those things and he, if we allow him, he continues to make something great out of us if we have patience with ourselves. Then the other one is to have patience with others. Cut them some slack and they'll cut you some slack. Luke 6, 38 says, give and it shall be given to you. That's not just finances. This is also in the area of patience. It's giving to them and say, you know what? I realize that you're a work in progress just like I am. And maybe you're a little farther along in that process than the person that is in your life. 
when we were being trained by uh, our, our, our pastor, who was really our mentor, uh, he, he always would tell us, he said, you should always have two kinds of people in your life. You should have the people that are pulling you up, that are stronger than you, in other words, people that you can grow and learn from, and you should always have your hand down helping somebody else up. That way you always stay balanced. And it's so true. Each one of us should have people in our lives right now that we can pull strength from, that we can pull wisdom from, that we can grow from. They're challenging us to get to another level. And at the same time, we know that there's people in our life that are looking to us to do the same. And so we want to have patience with other people. Jesus said the same standard that we use for others, it's going to be applied to us. And if we can just see people as a work in progress, they are a masterpiece. They are a Mona Lisa of some sort. God is doing that work in each one of us. Let's watch what happens to Bethany in this second clip. Now that I've one arm, uh, there's certain ways I have to adjust to doing certain things. Right away, she just started, like, doing stuff. Like, she'd put stuff between her feet and, like, it's like, she hardly even, like, it didn't seem like she struggled that much. She took it really good, like, compared to, like, a lot of people, I think. A lot of times I would try things that I wouldn't be able to do. It's hard. But I would just make sure I try them before I asked for help, and I wouldn't let people do it for me unless I gave it a shot. Ooh. That was pretty cool. Little things like putting my hair up when it's hot out, and I have so many bathing suits, and I'm always choosing which one, and they always have to be tied, and I'm not the best person to tie them, so I usually get a friend or family to help me with that. She doesn't call it a handicap. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know if I should use disability. When I realize I do get self-conscious sometimes, and when I see all these beautiful girls with, like, perfect body, perfect everything it's like uh. the way I deal with it is I know that beauty's not everything and in your heart you can be beautiful and just do your best to ignore the fact that you're not going to be perfect yeah great attitude fourth one is don't use your work in progress status as an excuse not to try Oh, you know what? I can't do that. I, I just, God's still doing so many things in my life. That often comes up at uh, water baptism, or someone is, just feels compelled to be water baptized since they believed, had a relationship with Jesus. They say, I have to get some things right in my life before I do that. Every one of us, if we ever waited to get things right in our life, we wouldn't be doing anything. Because again, that very first verse, is that I'm confident of this very thing, what? He's going to perfect it when? The day of Christ Jesus. So you know what? The perfection isn't going to come until the day you meet Jesus. So we're in a work of progress our entire lives. Isaiah 29 verse 16 says, you have everything backwards. You treat the potter as a lump of clay. Does a book say to its author, he didn't write a word of me. Does a meal say to the woman who cooked it, she had nothing to do with this. How silly is that? Really. And that's what God's, he's showing us how silly we are sometimes when we think about things that that just, it doesn't even make sense. I have to say this because it's such a great illustration, but that piece of clay that is on the potter's wheel, and I, I went to a pottery class, and I really thought it was a lot easier than what I, it was. I thought, man, I've seen them do that. You get the wheel spinning really fast. You just put your hands in the right place, and ta-da. And uh, so to start off with, she gave me, the, my instructor gave me a manual wheel, 
And I thought the faster you make that thing go, because it had a foot pedal, faster it would go, then the easier it would be. So I had that thing just turning. I am just pedaling that thing. And it's turning and turning and turning. And my little vase that I was trying to create was now all over on one side. And I couldn't get it back straight, so I thought I'll add water. And so you add, I added too much water, and now it just became this mush on the, on, the, on the little wheel. And I thought, okay, this is not as easy as I thought it was. And uh, only God knows how to do that perfect mold for each one of us. But we're on this potter's wheel. And you might be here today and you feel like, man, there's just answers to prayer. There's some things that just say, God, I know I'm exactly where you've called me. There's things that I've prayed for and believed for that are just coming to pass. And you just seem like you're in this face-to-face relationship with him. And it's so sweet. But you're on a wheel. And as that wheel turns, you may not see God, but he's still there. The potter is still there. But you might be on the back side of that potter's wheel and everything is dark and you can't see anything and you think God has forsaken you and you think that everything you've poured into, even into trusting him, is for naught because you can't see what he's doing. But he's still there. He's still doing a work. And he's turning and turning. And then all of a sudden it gets lighter and brighter. Oh, that's what you were doing. And the light comes on again and you see his face again and, and everything just comes into place. And, and we're saying, God, I'm sorry. I knew I should have trusted you. And then it happens again because that wheel keeps turning and turning and turning. And if we recognize that, it really helps. Because we go through different seasons that's sometimes that are just really great and then they seem really dark and we're going around in these seasons and we think it should always just be like this and it's not. And so if we understand, no, I'm a work in progress, I'm, I'm a masterpiece, he's still creating the masterpiece, it helps us. He's applying pressure and he's doing it right. And finally, we're going to watch the end of uh, where Bethany is at right now and I trust that uh, in closing you're going to find this encouraging. Let's go ahead. After the attack, uh, I was down at the beach watching all my friends surf. Bethany just really wanted to surf, even though she wasn't supposed to. Because we kind of had planned for her to surf on Thanksgiving Day. But uh, the day before Thanksgiving, she called us and she says, I'm going out already. So we buzzed down the beach. We got down there, and Bethany, uh, she was amping to go out, like just couldn't wait to go out. There was somebody had a longboard. I don't know if you remember whose it was, but she just paddled out on it. You know, just to see her back in the water. She still had a bandage on her arm. So we swam out. My dad had his fans. He kicked out next to Bethany. And basically, she didn't want any help. I realized how hard it was going to be because she was on a longboard and just getting to her feet and catching waves, it was a real, a real struggle, but one thing she's always been is a very determined young girl. My first two waves, I tried to get up and it was just, it was hard. It was definitely hard and I was just trying to figure it out and I, I couldn't do it and I was, it just kind of scared me because I thought I might not be able to do this. Her first couple waves, you know, she uh, couldn't really get the balance, you know, sit, she couldn't really figure out where to put her hand. My dad offered help and I was like, no, I gotta do this on my own. And so, boom, she got up on her third wave.
At first, I didn't think she was going to be able to surf, and I didn't think she would want to. Two months later, she just started like surfing again. It's like I was so stoked. The progression was like really, really quick. She was only on a longboard for about two or three sessions, and then she moved into a a mini tank, and like within two weeks, she was starting to work her way down to a shortboard. She gets back in the water, and she goes out there for the love of what God's given her, and that's a passion for surfing. I didn't doubt her. I knew she had the faith, and I knew she could because she's such a courageous person. I never thought that I'd see Bethany surfing again, and I'm just really amazed that she's back in the water. Great example, great example. You know that in the whole idea of, of being God's masterpiece that he talks about, if, we were to, if I was to have, again, the Mona Lisa up here, we would, ooh, and wouldn't it be great? But if I had it up here and we would all be admiring this beautiful piece of art, but as much as we're looking at that piece of art, what are we thinking about? We're thinking about the person who created. What was he thinking? What was, how did he do that? How did he, what was going through his mind? We're thinking about the person that made the painting. And that's what our lives are. So let's remember when we look at others and even our own life that it's not about us. It's about the creator. And it's about being, a master, a master, being the masterpiece painting or whatever piece of art for his glory. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.